Hi everyone again, my name is Italome, compulsive overeater. Uh, trying not to get nervous, so just bear with me. Um, I have pictures. Um, I guess one is baby picture, um, <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, and like just pictures growing up. Um, and then the one in uh, purple, I guess I'll start with that, was I guess me at my, in the depth of my disease, um, at my lightest, but at my most miserable, literally right before I hit rock bottom about, oh goodness, uh, eight years ago. So, yeah. Um, I always like to start with a reading just to kind of get current with where I'm at. Um, this was from September 18th. Um, I became more receptive to being grateful. Lifeline, page 141. I went to the bank and I didn't notice friendly tellers. I didn't even appreciate that I had enough money to need a bank. I stood over standing in line and complained if the computer was slow. At a concert, I focused on rattling cough drop wrappers or the mothball scent of the coat in the next chair. In summing up my imperfect life, I focused on poor me and what I was missing. No wonder I was unhappy. What a difference OA has made. I'm learning to look for the positive in everything. A broken dryer? Thank goodness for a closed laundromat. Flat tire? I'm lucky it didn't happen while I was driving. Expensive prescription? I'm grateful to live in the day of antibiotics. Now when I look up, I see that there are far more ceiling tiles that aren't stained. Thank you, higher power, for my new attitude of gratitude. Yeah, I know, really powerful reading. That's <laughs> how I felt. Um, I was definitely struggling with um, these past couple weeks. Uh, it's, it's great because, you know, as we grow in recovery, the path gets narrower, but it makes even the little things that I thought I was okay with not okay. And something recently that's come up is a defect I have of just not being present, which I know everyone in here can relate to, um, and just stuck in, stuck in my head and stuck in this place of fantasy, but in a sense of me hoping for things to look different or look better. And for me, an addict, better is always something that's big and huge, important, whether it's career or relationship life change it has to be huge and significant and if I don't have that I don't feel like I'm enough or my life is good enough and that reading really helped to ground me because I was struggling to find okay if I can't live in this fantasy and I can't live in resentment or no hope um, where do I live where do my thoughts go and that reading reminded me um, in gratitude because it's hard for me to just stay present but it is um, easier for me to understand let me make a list it's that simple a gratitude list of everything I'm grateful for today and that automatically just puts me in the present um, so I guess um, I'll start from the beginning <laughs> I was born <laughs> I was having born in Nigeria um, moved to the States well no moved to London first where I spent most of my childhood um, and I moved to the States when I was seven. Granted, I moved from the very cosmopolitan, mixed, um, 
city of London to a small town, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was horrible. Uh, <laughs> um, really, I experienced racism for the first time. I was always considered an outsider, not just by people who didn't look like me, but by people who looked like me and couldn't understand my accent and why I was so proper. Um, it was tough. It was definitely tough. And that was when I consciously remember going to food. Um, I joke about it because it's kind of funny, even though it's not now. But we discovered all-you-can-eat buffets. That did not exist in London. So this whole, like, free refill and supersize for, like, a dollar is amazing. So we were always at, like, pizza buffets and all you can eat and supersizing constantly and it just became something we all did I think to kind of escape and become more American but for me it, it definitely became a comfort this was what I went to and so all through elementary school I was constantly in the food overeating gained weight rapidly um, and then developed a weight problem and um, my brother I have two older brothers uh, decided the solution to that was to put me on a diet. So my brother, I feel like I was 10 at the time, he was like 13, put me on my first diet. I feel like it was crackers and water. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would eat all my food. <laughs> uh, and it worked for like, I don't know, five minutes. And then it was... <laughs> It was done, but I also remember feeling like a failure. I was like, man, I can't even diet? What is this? Um, and the weight just kept coming on. And on top of that, I kept getting emotionally smaller. I retreated into myself, didn't have many friends. My best friends were my Barbie dolls and my books. Um, that was my world. Books, Barbies, and lots and lots and lots of junk food. Um, when I was 13, um, I was, when I was 13, I was a size 14. And I remember that because my doctor at the time pointed it out, and I was two sizes smaller than my mom, who felt so bad saying this, but she is obese. Um, uh, so my doctor said, you can't do this. If you keep going like this, you're not going to make it past your teens or and in, at the very least your your weight is going to create all sorts of health problems and social problems um, is that what you want for your life and of course my answer was no but I, I didn't know how else to deal with it so that started a whole round of diets I went through every single um, nationally recognized diet I had a whole um, I always had books but then I had a shelf just for my diet books um, and I went through every single one and tried them, would get a little relief for a while. In fact, I did a very popular diet program in high school, which is just a lovely time for everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, it was really pivotal because I, I ended up, uh, I feel like it was ninth grade. I lost a lot of weight and came back in 10th grade. And it was like I was a completely different person. Not on the inside. I was still insane and crazy and depressed and all that. But on the outside and in the way people treated me, all of a sudden I was a person. I remember a famous writer just penned this very scathing essay about having the exact same experience. 
all of a sudden people looked at me all of a sudden men looked at me all of a sudden it was like I had accomplished something worthwhile it was she it was like news all over school it was like I had lost weight and finally become beautiful literally that was what it was so of course that reinforced the sick mindset of oh in order to be loved and appreciated and have any value and any accomplishment um, I need to lose weight uh, so I guess fast forward to college um, my eating was always overeating uh, binging then starving and then um, college was when I picked up excessive exercise um, exercise bulimia um, I would I went to a very very prominent hardcore Ivy League college I can't tell you 75% of what I did in college and that is something I say with a lot of shame because you know my family invested a lot in me to go there and also I um, didn't really I wasn't present for it um, what I do remember was how much exercise I did um, how much I ate how much I dieted um, and what my weights were at certain times those are my most probably my most vivid memories of college and what parties I was invited to what I wasn't invited to all that that was it um, but luckily college was when I hit a certain bottom because I mean it was affecting my grades it was affecting my sleeping I wasn't sleeping um, and they had a eating disorder treatment center and that was the first time I realized okay I have an eating disorder so luckily I got some help um, but as I like to share uh, I had a nutritionist who was wonderful God bless her um, but she said when I feel a craving to overeat I should put nail polish in the cabinets where all my where the food is so that when I open it to eat I will see that I need to focus on being more beautiful and taking care of myself and being good to myself than food so it was it was a wonderful idea <laughs> but what ended up happening because I had, I had like three roommates <laughs> was they were like why is there all this nail polish in our cabinets and meanwhile all the food was gone <laughs> because yeah that of course would not stop me from my <laughs> my binging and and from stealing food that was actually uh, an amends I had to make I stole a lot of food from my roommates it's very very shameful um, so uh, fast forward again I actually came to LA after um, college thought it was a great idea to just pack up overnight and move in with my friend live on her couch that was kind of what I did I was incredibly impulsive and I always felt that God was telling me to be impulsive and I would do it and a binge would always occur in that process a couple binges actually so I ended up here uh, decided to be an actress and be famous not be an actress to be famous that's really what my, that was my plan and um, got caught up in the whole Hollywood lifestyle picked up on top of exercise bulimia um, purging but not um, how do I say it using laxative laxative abuse severe severe laxative abuse to the point that I went to the ER at Cedars at least twice 
where they were just like, what are you doing to yourself? And I was like, man, I don't know. I just have these weird stomach problems. It's so weird. Gosh. Like, and I really thought that. Like, I really just thought I had severe IBS and the world was against me and help save me. Meanwhile, I was still in my disease. Um, I hit another bottom when, um, after a binge, I called, I don't know who I called, some emergency helpline. I couldn't even tell them what was wrong. I was ashamed to say what was wrong because I had just eaten a package of baked goods and I was wanting to kill myself. How do I tell that to an emergency responder person? So I was just sobbing and they said, we need to send someone there. You don't sound safe. And I remember calming myself down and saying, no, don't send anyone. But that was when I was like, this is, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And it's because of a box of cookies. Um, my real bottom came when it spiraled downward from there. And what happened was, thank God, um, I started participating in behaviors that are not me. Um, most notably, I got in trouble with money trouble, financial trouble, to the point that I got in trouble with the government, to just put that out there. And it's, I don't like saying that because I'm so not that person. I was the president of my honor council all four years in high school. <laughs> like, never cheated, never stole, I just never, but that was when I knew those were connected. Something about these, the craziness of these cookies is connected to me becoming a criminal. I need to stop. So I actually, I moved home. Uh, my parents live in Miami, moved in with them, and at least got some sense of normalcy. And then from there, a friend came to visit. I remember it was July 4th weekend, and she was complaining about her brother, who um, she called a um, functioning alcoholic. And I was like, oh, what's that? And she said, well, you know, he doesn't go on like binges or he's not crazy, but he can't go a day without drinking. He always has to have a drink. I remember I looked at her and I was like, what's wrong with that? Like life sucks, it's hard, and we all need something to get through the day. Like, why are you judging him? We all need a little something to get us through the day. Otherwise, <laughs> life, life is not worth living. <laughs> and I told her this, like, with such conviction that she, was, she did not know what to say. <laughs> it was almost as if, like, that's how you see life? Yeah, it was. Um, and it's like a light went off. I was like, huh, so that's not what life is about? Um, and it's like I made that connection. Well, if he has a 12-step for that, is there a 12-step for me? And literally, it was like Google search, 12-step for food eating disorders. Boom. Away. Um, went to my first meeting. It was a Thursday night meeting. Um, I remember going into the room and seeing no one that looked like me at all in any sense of the word. Um, and feeling like I don't belong here. And then a speaker got up to speak. He was, I think, 75, from a very different religious background, man, who again, I was like, this guy has nothing to do with me. And he started talking and he shared his story, 
when I tell you he read my journal, <laughs> no, he really did. Like the food, the self-esteem issues, the insanity, the exercise, the laxative, everything was literally my story. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I belong here, clearly. Um, so thankfully, I got abstinent pretty quickly. I found a sponsor pretty quickly. Um, my first sponsor, you know, everyone said, find someone that has what you want. And, you know, I think internally I was like, well, she needs to look a certain way and look like me and this and do dance. But then, <laughs> yeah. um, but then, you know, I went to a Wednesday night meeting that ended up being my home meeting. And I saw this girl who was leading it, who was so lovely and so cool and um, beautiful, beautiful on the outside, but one of those, that beauty that's like on the inside that radiates out. And I was like, that's what I want. So I asked her to be my sponsor right away. She said yes. And it was, it was amazing. Um, I got abstinent pretty quickly. Within five days, I lost my abstinence. Um, because, A, I went on a road trip to Orlando um, just because. That was something I did. I was very impulsive, and I felt God was telling me, go to Orlando, just check things out. Four-hour drive, mind you. Four-hour drive from Miami. <laughs> and on the way, I realized why I really went. One of my favorite fast foods is, like, based there. And, like, along the way, I went there, and I was like, oh, I can eat this abstinently. And ended up binging in my car and calling my sponsor and sobbing and saying, what happened? She was like, well, I think you're seeing that you can't take part in certain behaviors. And it's funny for her, she was like, you know, maybe avoid drive throughs and fast food. They're just a little too triggering for you. But I realized I need to not go on road trips. Why, why am I doing this? What, what am I doing? No. And that was a huge one. Now I'm, I'm actually traveling next week, and I'm so stressed and terrified because now I travel on life's terms. I don't do it to escape or to get away or to binge and go on this kind of free joyride. I really have to deal with the reality of traveling, and it can be extremely stressful. But that, to me, is progress, because it used to not be that way. Um, do you know how much time I have? Oh, I was talking. <laughs> oh, okay, wow, right. Well, um, okay. Uh, so after that, I did end up um, getting abstinent. Um, working my steps. Um, it was great because she was about a year old. Oh, five minutes. Okay. Uh, she was like a year older than me and literally everything she had been through had just happened a year ago. So that really helped me. I think especially with the fourth step. That was, remember we had to do some of it on the phone. It took forever. And there were things I had never, never shared. I would had a lot of professional help. But I'd never shared, especially because they were so related to food. You guys know, like eating stuff out of the trash, um, the exercise bulimia. I'd never been able to talk about that, and she, she got all of it. So that was really huge and life-changing. Um, and fast forward eight years abstinent as of this month. It is a miracle. It's a miracle. I remember when um, I had like one year and someone in uh, Miami had seven years and I remember being like, what is it like? I only have one year. You have seven. 
what is that like? And she was like, it's exactly like it was one year ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I get that now, <laughs> eight years in. Yeah, every day is the same. Every day is a struggle. Every day is a miracle. Um, I will have to say, though, my life, and I hear this a lot here in these rooms, uh, life has gotten bigger. And in a way, it makes things a little more complicated. I really had to step out of my comfort zone, especially recently. I moved back here from Miami in about a year ago. It was really tough, really tough. First time I'd moved accidentally. First time it wasn't like a message from God to move. I literally just had to move. <laughs> um, and really missed at first my home meetings in Miami. That's where I got absent. And that was like my family. And it was very, very small. Everyone knew each other. So here I was very overwhelmed by all the meetings you guys have. Oh, my gosh. Didn't know where to go. But um, finally found a home. I usually go to the afternoon St. Thomas meetings. And then this meeting was actually a fellow that invited me to this meeting. And... Um, it's just really helped um, so much. Um, I was going to talk about the tools. I feel like I'm kind of running low on time. Um, I guess let me end with um, uh, I guess one of the most important tools this year for me, I guess it's a tool and um, something that we a step um, is my daily 10th step. Um, that was where uh, I really started when I practice that daily and really write it out daily. That's what I meant to say. I combined writing that tool with my 10th step um, because it's true. When you, first of all, it motivates me to really ground myself in my program. It's one thing for me to think about what I did today and take an inventory. It's another thing to even read literature because I can kind of disconnect as I'm reading. But when I'm writing and like answering certain questions, um, I'm very connected. So I do the A-E-I-O-U and the Y, which I love. Um, it's like it's like giving myself permission to have fun. I, lo I love the Y. Um, but, you know, the U especially, that really helps with uh, the whole thing with the reading and me just feeling like what's going on what's really going on you know because to me that's it it really is not the food the food is um, a symptom or what I think is a solution but um, what's really going on underneath um, it's always something that if I don't write about it talk about it in meetings pray about it talk to my sponsor about it um, it never gets addressed and then it the food starts getting messy and uh, life starts getting messy, my surroundings start getting messy, and um, it just helps so much to get back and get connected with my 10th step. So I guess I'll just leave the rest for questions, and that's it. Thank you. This is a time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Thank you so much.
Um, question was, I was going to pull it up. Um, say more about the A-E-I-O-U-Y. That, um, for people who may not know, that is um, a format I actually learned here in L.A. about working the daily 10th step. Um, so A is uh, what have you done for your abstinence. Um, my um, sponsor likes to say, likes to divide it into what have you done for your recovery and what could have hurt your recovery today. And then I is, I'm sorry, E, exercise. Um, I, what I've done to take care of me. O, what I've done for others. E-I-O-U. <laughs> I say what's going on underneath. And then Y is like your Yahoo or yay moment of the day. Um, I was, I, for, what have you done for yourself to take care of yourself? Yeah. Um, I was going to pull up, I literally just did it. I usually do it every night, and then I woke up this morning and realized, I guess I fell asleep in the middle of the first one. So I did it this morning, and it was funny because I was like, man, I hope I don't have to share this out loud. (laughs) But since you asked, uh, that's God kind of telling me, yep, yep, you're going to have to share it. Or at least kind of talk about it. So I talked, when I talk about like what helps, a lot of times it's, um, I cooked. <laughs> you know, like that is something that helps my abstinence. Um, stuck to my food plan. Got to a meeting and talked to people after the meeting. Um, took uh, care of my food for the rest of the week. Um, and then hurt. Sometimes I have extra nibbles, especially when I'm cooking. I like to try it before, during, after, just to make sure it's sure so good. And it's like I said that, I like they're harmless, but I put that in quotes because they're, they're not. They can actually hurt my recovery if I'm not careful. Um, exercise, I said I did two hours, which is more than usual. And my max, I actually have to set a max because of my exercise bulimia. Um, but I'm also, I dance, that's why I was joking about dance earlier, and that, I mean, it just requires a lot of physical activity, but I, I always have to set boundaries and, and report how much I do. Um, I, I, I went to the salon, which is something that um, seems um, uh, vain, I guess, or materialistic, but I noticed for me, if I don't do stuff like that, I start feeling ashamed. Like, I want to hide. I don't feel good about myself. And it uh, kind of reinforces the negative feelings of you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve to go to the salon. You should just stay at home and hide and not talk to anyone. So, yeah. Um, others, service, after the meeting, uh, talked to people. Oh, called my friend and offered to visit her son. So... <laughs> I, um, she has a baby, and I wish I was motherly and nurturing and that kind of person, but babies just, they make me anxious. I love them, but they make me very anxious. So, you know, she kind of brought up, oh, you haven't come by to see my son. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's just go out instead. (laughs) So I finally, um, the other day, she said, let's meet up. And I said, hey, how about I come over and visit 
um, your son. And she was like, oh, that'd be great. Um, but it ended up we couldn't do it anyway. But just putting that out there, doing what I didn't want to do, but knowing that, first of all, it would make her happy. And second of all, it would help because I don't want to feel that way about kids. I, in a ideal world, I would love to have children and look forward to that. So I know that by doing things like this, it'll help me. Whatever, whatever is that barrier I set up against that, this will help. So, um, you fantasizing. I'm in the next, this coming Thursday, I'm going to a wedding for my cousin. Talks about this in other meetings, huge wedding in Nigeria. Um, my cousin is lovely. I actually have uh, three cousins who are just wonderful, but we've kind of been um, estranged, not on purpose, but because their lives to me, let me just put it out there, have just really been solid. They're in Nigeria. They all have great jobs. They're just beautiful on the inside, outside, and now she's marrying this beautiful, wonderful man and this beautiful, wonderful wedding. Meanwhile, me and my two brothers, my two brothers are um, both diagnosed with schizophrenia, which is very rare for two siblings to have it. They get worse and worse every year. I obviously have my own struggles. I'm 34 and marriage is probably, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. And uh, just, you know, just a lot of my family, we've just been through so much. So it's, it's been hard. So I found myself fantasizing about wanting her life, everything that she's having and all these wonderful things and this amazing career. And maybe I'll go and tell them I'm this famous writer, actress, performer, everything. And it's like, it's not uh, keeping me present. It's robbing me of the gratitude I should have for these rooms, my amazing life here, and amazing friends I have here. The relationships have not led to marriage, but at least the wonderful relationships I've had. I, I just need to um, be more present in that. So that was my you. And then my why is I'm going to dance class after this, which is always my why. Dance has been like therapy to me. It was something that I stopped because um, casting directors, I used to try to get into it professionally, would tell me I wasn't skinny enough, I wasn't good enough, don't deserve to be here. I mean, they were cruel. So I just, I left it completely. But now, of course, I've found it in a much healthier way. And I actually, I used to teach it, too. So that was a very long answer. But <laughs> there you go. Anyone else? So what would I say to someone who told you they thought worth living? Uh, their life was not worth living, which was how I felt. Oh, I wish there was this wonderful quote I've heard more than once in these rooms. It's a saying about... Oh, no, it's from a movie. <laughs> and it's, I'm still going to screw it up, though. It's, um, <laughs> if your life has not reached the end, it means it's not the end. Um, I would start with that. There's a reason you're still here. There's a reason you're still here. Um, and to me, that is so connected to God. I don't know how to live without God. I don't know how to find a purpose in life without God. 
um, God is my higher power and my creator and because of that creator and higher power is so important to me because that's the person I go to to say you created me you have a purpose for me what is it help me and that's my lifeline otherwise personally I would not find a reason to live so um, in those moments when I hit rock bottom over and over again whether it was an emergency phone call um, or even when my friends told me about her brother and the 12 steps that whatever happens there that was not me you know that was a higher power somehow giving me a reason to keep going giving me help when I needed it the most and that is God for me so I would tell that person especially if they're in these rooms that you have to find a higher power it doesn't have to be religious doesn't even have to be your creator something something to hold on to um, to help you through this program and be your lifeline be your support the one thing that always has your back and will always keep you going even in your darkest moments. So, yeah. Um, so, God told you to go to Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> okay. So, question was, God told me to go to Orlando. <laughs> Well, I guess, uh, how has my spiritual connection changed since programs? From the God who would tell me to do very impulsive, crazy things to a new God. Um, you know what? He's the exact opposite. Uh, the old God would be like, go! The new God would be like, don't move. <laughs> Stay. Don't do anything. Wait. That is always his answer. Wait. Be patient. Um, that God really annoys me <laughs> because my old God just right away always had the answer solution we're always on the move this new God I feel like I'm just sitting around a lot of times waiting and waiting um, but this new God is so much nicer so much gentler so much more patient who knew that by him telling me to be more patient or my God telling me to more, be more patient um, with life, um, I would be patient with myself and appreciate God's patience with me and even just the world's patience with me. I always feel like I'm behind in life. Career is a huge one. I say it all the time. I really feel like I'm starting from the bottom and... Um, Thankfully, life has shown that that's okay. That's okay. Um, really, people have held my hand through a lot of things, whether it's learning how to do very basic things most people know how to do. Um, life has been very, and people have been very patient with me. And that has come from that concept of God that's a lot more loving and patient. Um, but then again, when I do have to make big decisions, um, you know what that God, that God now tells me what my sponsor tells me, which is there's no wrong answer. You know, sometimes I really get caught up in making a decision and I'm like, what's the right answer? Am I right? Am I wrong? What is it? And she's like, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. What you do, you make the decision, um, you know, with, of course, my help and after prayer and talking to your fellows, 
you make a decision and then you learn from it and that's it that's it don't judge it don't feel bad about it no matter what um, you're going to be okay so thanks um, I'm making a big assumption that you did a fourth step on your brother who put you on the diet how did you how does that feel for you? <laughs> and particularly when it came to your part okay so question was um, with my fourth step and working it with my brother that put me on a diet and actually both my older brothers um, how did that work for me especially in what was my part it's a constant um, struggle my brother my two older brothers are my amends and my living amends right now we have no relationship um, I think it's for the best because you know growing up was hard I mean they were they were mean and I know it's normal you know older brothers picking on a little sister and I was always the overweight chubby one that they were making fun of but it got brutal I mean I feel like they would gang up on me and just um, so working through that um, and now then um, with their mental illness you know something that helps was by our we have a family therapist who said you know a lot of their behavior could have been attributed was probably attributed to them struggling at an early age with mental issues uh, so don't take it personally um, so that helps a lot because now it's like you know what they're, they're sick they're sick they were sick then and they are very very sick now of course I forgive them um, and that the only thing as far as my part the only thing that the only way they can hurt me is by me continuing and continuing to hold on to that resentment um, which I of course let go of um, but I did and do have to set boundaries with my brothers and that's where the broken relationship is um, you know my parents are not happy about it they do wish I was closer to them they do worry that you know my parents are their caretakers now but you know that responsibility is going to pass on to me and they worry that um right now they're living with my parents but you know with me I've already made it clear that will not be happening and you know there's part of me that's like the younger sister being like ew no they're not living with me I can't but no there's the reality there's reality especially as an addict myself there's no way it's just too triggering it's too much and it's two of them my goodness I cannot can't do it um, so that's that's really how I've worked it and continue to work it thank you so much for the time oh, okay one more yeah yes you talked a lot about you know having to stay out of fantasy and there's certain things in your life that aren't exactly where you would they would be now and stuff like how do you how do you remain hopeful without getting your hopes up from the expectations great yes one way to get to nowhere right <laughs> the question was uh, you talked about or I talked about fantasizing but now how do I remain hopeful without going into fantasy um, and getting into resentment wow 
I, I'm trying to, trying to figure it out. Now that you just asked me, I'm like, wow, what's my answer? Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out. That's the answer. It's hard. It's really, really hard. I think especially when it comes to career, you know, I work in an industry that is just built on hope, chance, luck, getting discovered, um, but built on a lot of failures. I, I get rejection letters every week and they're, I wish I could say that they're not painful and discouraging, but they are extremely painful and discouraging. And, um, you know what? I just, I keep doing the footwork. Um, that has been the biggest message I've had this year. I just ended a job. Don't know when my next job is coming. And was getting my hopes up and got rejected from all sorts of places and asked God, what do I do? And he said, keep doing the footwork. Every day you get up, you work on your portfolio, go to meetings, you ask for help constantly. Um, you know, that really helps with the project that I'm now trying to put forward where before, because of resentment and this and rejection, I didn't want to talk to people about it. I didn't want to ask for help. But instead I did contrary action, which I learned from here. And I asked the people who were very successful, please help me, please put your name on this project so it will help it get along. Um, and I worked on it every day and continue to work on it every day, even if it's just a sentence. So, yeah. Still have time? One minute? What is my abstinence? Um, my abstinence is, and I'll wrap up, uh, no binging, no dieting, and no over-exercising. And that's it. <laughs>